Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Harry Robertson, from the Opinion and Analysis Desk. Next month's US midterm elections will be some of the most important in a generation, says Dmitry Sevastopolo. Should the Democratic Party regain a majority in the House of Representatives, they could make life very difficult for President Donald Trump and would be handed the power of impeachment. But while it appears Mr Trump has spurred a Democratic surge... Conservatives are also fired up for the fight. Donald Trump was back to his old tricks. Speaking before thousands of fans in Western Iowa last week, the president conjured up a nickname for his latest target, a Democrat named Cindy Axney, who's hoping to become the first woman to represent Iowa in the House of Representatives. Mr. Trump roared, Cindy Taxme, it's a very good name. I guess it's actually Axney but we call her Tax Me. This sent ripples of laughter across the packed arena in the city of Council Bluffs. He remarked, That was so easy. Mr. Trump was reveling in the sort of gamesmanship that helped him win the White House. But this year, he has a very different goal. The rally was just one stop on a hectic tour designed to help Republicans defend their increasingly at-risk majority in the House and keep control of the Senate. The midterm elections early next month are shaping up to be the most consequential in a generation. The stakes are high for the Republican Party, which controls both chambers of Congress, but risks a possible rout in the House of Representatives due to a large number of retiring members and anti-Trump anger energizing Democrats. For Mr. Trump, the stakes are even more dramatic. Losing the House would allow the Democrats to open investigations, with subpoena power, into everything from his tax returns to his alleged affair with porn star Stormy Daniels. More critically, Democratic control of the House would enable the party to try and impeach Mr. Trump, particularly if Robert Mueller, the special counsel, produces a damning report about ties between the Trump campaign and Russia and possible obstruction of justice by the president. Political pollsters believe the Democrats are going into the final stage of the campaign in a strong position. Charlie Cook of the Cook Political Report notes that the party that controls the White House has lost House seats in 35 of the 38 midterms since the Civil War. The Democrats need a net gain of 23 seats to take control of the House. The Cook Political Report estimates that 69 of the 435 races are competitive, where both parties have a realistic chance of winning, while another 39 races have the potential to become competitive. Of the 31 seats in the House that it rates as a toss-up, 29 are currently held by the Republicans, while another 12 of the competitive seats are rated lean Democratic. Facing a potential Democratic wave, Republicans are taking solace in the buoyant economy, with unemployment now down to 3.7%. At his rallies, Mr. Trump declares that there will be a Republican red wave because of the economy. He told New York Magazine last week, 
Historically, you don't tend to do so well in the midterms. But this is a different presidency, and this is the greatest economy ever, so we'll have to test that. David Young, the incumbent who is facing Miss Axney in next month's election, dismisses the threat. He says, I don't believe the blue wave is going to come to Iowa. We have a red dam. And he adds, there may be some blue tornadoes that touch down around the country. The Democrats are confident, however, that they will win the House, even with the economy doing well. While they are campaigning on bread-and-butter issues, such as health care, and calls to reverse the recent tax cuts, the midterms are generally seen as a way to score the first two years of a president's time in office. Howard Dean, a Democratic presidential contender in 2004, says, It's a referendum on Trump for the most part. And he notes, I expect to win the House, and I actually think there's a decent chance we'll win the Senate. When a president has an approval rating above 50%, the historical record suggests that the midterm losses for his party can be limited. Mr. Trump's rating has been hovering in the low 40s. Aside from the tendency for voters to punish the president's party, the Democrats should gain from a court decision to order a redistricting in Pennsylvania to reverse Republican gerrymandering. Brendan Boyle, a Democratic congressman representing Philadelphia, says... I'm very optimistic about taking back the House. Another driver of democratic optimism is the mood among women voters. The party is fielding a record number of female candidates, and many of those candidates are running in competitive districts and are being helped by strong fundraising campaigns. Abigail Spamberger, a former CIA operative vying to oust Dave Bratt, a Republican who stunned House Majority Leader Eric Cantor in the 2014 GOP primary, raised a record $3.6 million in the third quarter. Her Virginia district was solid Republican a year ago, but is now rated toss-up. In February, Mr. Brandt told the Financial Times that he would win, but said that if a Democratic wave caused him to lose, it would be, quote, a tsunami. Democratic women candidates are also being propelled by the Me Too movement. Many are angry at how Republicans handled the claims of sexual assault against Brett Kavanaugh, now a Supreme Court judge. Women already comprise a majority of the electorate and have a greater tendency to vote than men. Anna Greenberg, a partner at polling group Greenberg Quinlan Rossner, says the percentage of women who say they would vote for Democrats has risen since the 2016 election. She added that the party was attracting more and more college-educated and suburban women. Miss Greenberg says, You see a mass influx of women to the Democratic Party. The feminization of the Democratic Party feels like it's at an apex. She adds that one of the biggest protests in Washington was when women marched against Mr. Trump the day after his inauguration in January 2017. Mr. Boyle says the momentum will be clear in the Philadelphia suburbs where Democratic women should win at least three seats, a big shift in a state that has no female lawmakers in the House or Senate. In an interview at Perk Perry, a coffee shop in a small town west of Des Moines, Iowa, Miss Axney says women want a political voice. Only 107 of the 535 members of Congress are women, although 78 of those are Democrats. She says... Any issue that occurs where women feel they've been shortchanged, they're going to step up and say, I want to make sure that my voice is represented, and that it's best represented through another woman. 
Mr. Young, a two-term congressman who won the Iowa 3rd Congressional District by 14 percentage points in 2016, admits his race is tougher this time. Another crucial factor in the November election will be whether young people vote in large numbers or not. Monica Pates, a retired social worker supporting Miss Axney, says the Kavanaugh controversy was, quote, not a burning issue for her, but it was for other women. She says, Maybe I'm an old fogey, but I think that it's more of a driving force with younger women and women who have had that experience, and there are a lot of them. Mark Wampler, a supporter of Mr. Young, says he was, quote, not sure that the Democrats are going to have any more success than anyone has had any time in the past. Democrats are trying to address that gap. This campaign won a high-profile recruit last week, singer Taylor Swift. In endorsing Phil Breesden, a Democrat running against Martha Blackburn for the Senate in Tennessee, Miss Swift told her 112 million Instagram fans that young people should register to vote to help defeat Miss Blackburn. And in an effort to goad young Democrats into voting, a group called Knock the Vote has produced videos mocking millennials for being apathetic, all told in the voices of older voters. As they dare young voters to share the video, retirees say, quote, We're a generation of doers, not whiners, and we're doing great. While many Republicans are pessimistic about their odds in the House, they're much more confident about retaining control of the Senate. Democrats face a very tough electoral map since 26 of the 35 senators up for re-election are from their party, and 10 of those are in states Mr. Trump won in 2016. The Cook Political Report classifies five of them, Florida, Indiana, Missouri, Montana and North Dakota, as toss-up races. The Republicans have a 51-49 to majority in the Senate, so the Democrats need a net gain of two seats to win. While they have several narrow paths, they would have to hold their five most vulnerable seats and win two of the four toss-up Republican seats, Arizona, Nevada, Tennessee and Texas, or a similar combination. The Kavanaugh battle may motivate Democrat voters in House races, but it could hurt their Senate chances, where the party is defending several seats in conservative states. North Dakota looks out of reach after Heidi Heitkamp, who was already seen as the most vulnerable Senate Democrat, voted against the judge. While Mr. Trump has campaigned for many House members in recent weeks, he appears to be shifting to the Senate this week with rallies in Montana, Arizona and Nevada. In Montana, the Democrat John Tester has recently lost ground in the polls, raising Republican hopes in a state Mr. Trump won in 2016. In Arizona, Martha McSally, the first female fighter pilot to fly in combat, is neck and neck with Democrat Kristen Sinema in a state Mr. Trump narrowly won. In Nevada, a state Hillary Clinton won, Republican Dean Heller and Democrat Jackie Rosen are in a virtual tie. The race that has sparked the most interest is Texas, where Republican Ted Cruz faces a stiff test from former punk rocker Beto O'Rourke. Mr. O'Rourke has gained grassroots support because of his refusal to use pollsters and strategists or take money from special interests. In a stunning result, he raised $38 million in the third quarter of the year. The Texas race has sparked talk about Mr. O'Rourke being on the Democratic presidential ticket in 2020. But for now, it's testing whether a surge in enthusiasm among Democrats can help win a conservative state.
Republican candidates face their own challenges getting Trump supporters out to vote. At the Council Bluffs rally, there were lots of banners that read, Promises made, promises kept. In a reference to Mr. Trump having followed through on his campaign pledges, everything from withdrawing from the Paris Climate Accord and Iran nuclear deal to passing tax cuts. But there were very few campaign signs for Mr. Young. As the sound system played songs such as Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones, a woman rushed over to a Trump fan before the president took to the stage and made a request. Would he hold up a young banner so that the TV cameras would catch it in their shot of Mr. Trump? He did, but the sign was lost among the thousands of Trump banners. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this Big Read podcast, you can subscribe on all the usual channels. If you're not already an FT subscriber, visit ft.com forward slash offer for our latest subscription offers. This episode was produced by Harry Robertson. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.